0: Hey, so is this your second podcast interview ever?
1: This is my second podcast interview ever. Now I'm
0: nervous. Now That's pretty know. good. That's pretty good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad to, to be on the, the receiving end of it. Yeah, right? And I'm talking to Courtney Wade, who is the, uh, the former COO of a company called Less Doing and the current pioneer of First Turn, what's it? Sorry, First Turn what?
1: Operations.
0: 1st turn operations, right. Uh, and I have to well, so actually there's, there's a whole bunch of things I want to say, but my first question I'm going to give you is is I, maybe an easy one, and you'll be honest. How, how do you think I would have fared in the military?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic pause. Um, be honest. You, had a, you would have had a rough go. You would have had a yeah. rough go. Yep, because there's a lot of, you just have to do things the way that they say to do things. But maybe it's not the best way, maybe it's not the most efficient way, but you just have to do what they say. And that's it. Don't talk back.
0: It's it so it's it's interesting because I really when I was younger I really really wanted to be in the military I thought that that was like the career that I was going to go on and further to that like I've always had a uh, maybe romantic view I guess of the uh, of the military in some ways and I've had the fortunate opportunities to work with several service men and women both active and retired and of course with you and all that while I, I don't. I, I I never thought to myself like I would kill it in the military. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Self-awareness is an important quality, so.
0: I mean, I think I would have been good at the physical stuff and like the the planning and logistics, but yeah, so yeah. you think the you think the authority issue would have been my my death nail?
1: Um, the authority issue and there's just in certain positions there's just not room for innovation, you know, and that's not it's not a bad thing. Um there is room for innovation, but it is within the context and the constructs of, of the, the structure and the hierarchy. So you'd have had a hard go. I mean, I feel like this is, you know, we'd talked about this before with one of your, your EMT scenarios where, you know, you had to fill out a form a certain way. And I remember you saying that your supervisor was not really interested in all the different ways that you felt they could fill out the form. Um, it's true. So, yeah, but if like you'd encounter a lot of scenarios like that.
0: Um Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I
1: You gotta be able to do what you're told, man. All right.
0: No, it's fine. I, if anything, I feel like you're holding back.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Oh, so then yeah. then flip it around. Okay. So how do you feel? And and you know this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna expound upon this about how I feel about your military background, mm-hmm. uh, as, as an extreme positive, of course. But uh, let's just flip it for a second. And how do you feel your military experience, in which you served very well and you know excelled and enjoyed? How do you think that hurt you in the entrepreneurial world that you now find yourself? Um,
1: hmm, that's a good question. How does it hurt me? Um, I have really had to work hard on not. And some of this maybe is the military, and some of it's just me. But I've I've had to work hard on not asking for permission all of the time Um, and you know this from our time working together where just really figuring out a level of detail in a client's business where like okay I'm I'm just gonna you know I'm I'm just gonna change this I'm not gonna ask Um, versus hounding somebody with you know hey I need to change the headers on this google sheet and do you mind if we put these things in this file instead of that file like just recognizing that that things need to move faster in the entrepreneurial world. And I don't always have to run those details by somebody. Um, That's probably been a difficult one for me.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I can see that. And how much of that though, do you feel is a confidence issue that you, you certainly, at least on the path of overcoming, you know, knowing that like your way of doing it is the right way of doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Some of it's that. Um, and I think some of it is just not, you know, not wanting to mess with the the structures and workflows of somebody else's business.
0: But that's exactly what you do.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> without asking, without letting them know, hey, I'm messing with the structures and workflows. Because, um, you know, I think in the military, everything was so deliberate. And the way that we did everything was so deliberate. It's been tough for me to recognize that business isn't always like that. Well, hey, why do you do this instead of this? Uh, I, I don't know. We just do. Okay, I'm going to change it then. Um, and as I gain more experience, I'm starting to learn, like, the obvious things that people do just because they do them. And there's not really a point, you know, versus the things that, um, you know, people do for a very specific reason.
0: Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't want to, you know, I'm not, we're not going to spend the whole conversation on your military. I know that you talk about that quite a bit. Uh, but I do have one more Thing about it that i i would i really would love to get your opinion on and that's i was having a conversation with a client the other day and we were talking about uh, different kinds of individuals and their capabilities and, and and more roles than anything and one of the things that i i'd i'd known before but it really sort of crystallized in this conversation was i have hired well over a thousand people for various positions uh and some in very short order you know, many hundreds I, I've interviewed, I've trained, I've, I've done sort of every aspect of hiring and, and training and in all different kinds of jobs as well. And in all of that time, I have found and I've come to believe that the most incredible people that I have gotten the opportunity to work with in terms of their skill sets and their ability to be proactive, to have attention to detail, and to do what they say they're going to do is women who have military experience. Specifically, and I'm not going to say like the military did that for you necessarily. I think that it's probably a particular kind of woman that joins the military and really excels through it, uh, and certainly one who went to West Point as you did, which is no small feat. Sure. So, uh, and so I'm not I'm not discrediting you, Courtney, in any way. Obviously, by saying like the military made you, who you are necessarily. I, I think it's probably a more of a, an effect than a cause, but. It's really a stark difference for me, uh, and as you know' I've, you know I've gotten to work with a few people in that position, and I work with one right now who's a very good friend of yours mm-hmm. and it's It's something that I've just seen very consistently so what do you think of that?
1: No, a hundred percent I'd have to dive deeper into you know women versus men. Um, I wonder that you haven't just worked with more women because of the nature of the flexibility of the work that you're looking for um does tend to appeal more to women that had been in the military often sweeping generalization. Um, but often we do get out, you know, in order to raise our kids or have more flexibility with the family. Um, and I I think we don't as often, you know, go into big nine to five corporate jobs and and things like that, or at least immediately upon getting out of the military. Um, but a hundred percent, I think One of the most, one of the most valuable things that I either learned in the military or probably already had, but was honed in the military was this sort of, you know, no excuses attitude that if there's something that needs to get done, you get it done. You get it done on time and you get it done to standard and that's just non-negotiable. And I remember even like, you know, when we had our first baby of four, um... Waking up in the middle of the night because the baby was crying, like, this wasn't an issue. Like, the idea that you would, that your own comfort and desires would be a lower priority to getting the job done is just ingrained in our way of being. So the baby's crying, it needs to get up, got it, get up, take care of the baby. Oh, it woke up 78 times, you know, got it, it woke up 78 times. And I think some of the same things, I actually just was working with a friend who, uh, you know, hired a, freelancer to help her with some things. And she had a a launch that was supposed to be executed on a particular day. And this freelancer just encountered some problems and couldn't figure a thing out and then was tired and was mentally exhausted and just, just couldn't get it done on time. And so of course she calls me in a panic of, you know, it's launch time and my freelancer disappeared. And that just astounded me. Yeah. Like, She committed. She said she was going to help you with this project. And my friend, of course, you know, as all business owners are with something that you're emotionally attached to, like this launch was a really big deal for her. And she had really, she was really emotionally invested in this. And she had given her trust and confidence to someone else to help her with this very important project. And that person's comfort, you know, and I don't know, maybe obviously there's, I don't want to sound draconian, like, hey, I got in a car wreck and broke my legs, you know, um, obviously there's, there's scenarios, but you know, this lady just, oh, I'm just, I'm tired and I can't finish it. And it it is unfathomable to me that somebody would put their trust in you to help them with something important and you would let them down because you prioritized your own needs above that. Um, and maybe that's a little bit of an intense way to look at, you know, oh, it's just business, whatever. And like, obviously there's, there's limits there, um, but i do you think that is that kind of no fail mission accomplishment attitude is something that the military obviously unquestionably fosters in you
0: yeah and i and i get that and uh, and, and personally and you may have a different opinion but I, I feel like i actually i do have that quality as well and i mean you know, yeah several weeks but, ago like i i got called to do a, a special EMT assignment. That was an overnight assignment. And I worked from 8 PM till 5 AM. I came home, slept a half an hour and got up and made the kids breakfast and took them to school because that's what I do every day,
1: yeah.
0: you know, and it sucked, but I did it and yeah. that's what I do. So, uh, I get that, but again, uh, and, and I'm, I'm sorry for any, any, uh, male servicemen listening, but in my experience, I have not seen that level of consistency with the the men who have been in the military. Uh, And so I I don't know what that is, honestly.
1: Yeah, maybe it's just men. I don't know. My husband the other (laughs) day, I love him. He's wonderful. And if you ever listen to this, I love him. He's wonderful. Um, But I was taking the kids to the playground, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. And I said, hey, I'm taking the kids to the playground. Do you want to go? And he said, nah, I don't want to. And I had to come back and be like, no, listen, I'm I'm not actually asking you. Like, we're going." (laughs) like, But I don't don't want to. Like, yeah, that's, that's not how parenting works. I don't want to either but you know, <laughs> this is the thing we do so you know get in the car he's like well, why did you ask me not just tell me to get in the car I'm like well you know cuz that would make me seem awfully rude wouldn't it so first i asked you then you didn't understand and now it's just, you know, your comfort doesn't matter get in the car
0: yeah i uh, I, I i absolutely find that to be a uh, yes a very very interesting one uh and actually so yeah okay well we, we could we could go on and on about that but actually sorry the one last thing I will ask is that how how much of that do you feel you had in you before you went to West Point
1: hmm. you know certainly certainly some um you know I was never a quitter I often saw things through um so I, I you know I definitely had that characteristic anyway it it certainly just wasn't tested as much um I feel like you can hear my notifications podcast faux pas that I did not turn them off. Um, You know, uh, I I think that quality wasn't tested in my youth in the way that it was, obviously, you know, at West Point in the Army as an adult. Um,
0: So, well, and you said, though, you weren't a quitter, but it is important to sort of differentiate. There's a difference between not being a quitter and being someone who's going to get it done.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: There's a big difference sure. uh, because you know the not quitter will is the person that you know collapses 20 feet from the end of the marathon and then crawls across like that's that's not the person necessarily that you want to be representing you per se or you know actually figuring out a new way of getting it kind of done so it, 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 that's don't sell yourself short that you weren't a quitter no. yeah Okay, well, all right well it, it, it fascinates me. It really does because, like the human condition and sort of the different you know ways that people act in certain situations i it, i'm I what's that?
1: Yeah, now that we've insulted uh, all my male veteran friends uh, inadvertently, inadvertently
0: just the ones <laughs> just the ones that have worked just the ones that have worked for me. <laughs>
1: Okay. That's right. Somebody needs to you know change light bulbs and kill spiders.
0: so yeah that's right. That's right Grow a beard. Grow, someone's got to grow a beard. That's
1: true. That's true. Uh-huh.
0: Uh, no, I have enormous respect just Slick for all the, all the service men and women out there uh, in the roles that you excel at. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think that that quality and well, I'm not I'm not focused on the military aspect now, just that particular quality of your personality, too. I obviously at times put you in a, in a position that I think caused a lot of stress, certainly in working with me.
1: Um, Yeah, there is, I'm coming to find in my adult life that there's a line where it's a good thing. And there's a line where it's uh, it's a detriment Um, Mm -hmm. and trying to recognize where, and this is interesting. Actually, my husband, and I've been talking quite a bit about it and I've, I've had several class, but several conversations with my West point classmates, Around similar ideas that, and I think especially for my generation now in 9 11, and you know, almost all of us, if you were in the military between certain years, you know, 99.9% chance you were deployed. And it's hard to take, it's hard to go about, you know, air quotes, normal life and recognize the differences. Um, I think so many of us struggle to find work that feels as fulfilling and feels as important. And then we, we attack these, you know, air quotes, normal jobs with the same attitude and commitment that we did in the military. And invariably, those jobs will disappoint us in ways because, you know, other people aren't as committed or just the stakes aren't as high. It doesn't, you know, it's not, not saying that it's not important, but it, you know, it, it, it's different. Um, And actually I was just having a discussion with one of my very best friends who is really struggling with that. She's in a job now and it's just not her favorite, but she's, she feels like she can't quit because, you know, she's part of the team and they rely on her and having to just realize, like, you know, th- this isn't the military, this isn't like that. If I'm not satisfied here in this work, I can leave and do something else and they will replace me and that will be fine. Um, so I think it's just a hard line for all of us, for all of us to walk and, and we end up stressing ourselves out a lot. And it just takes time. And and recognizing that, you know, nothing is going to match that experience in the same way again. Things may be equally fulfilling, more fulfilling, but nothing is gonna
0: be quite the same. And that's okay. Yeah, right, that's okay. You know, there's there's uh, different seasons in our lives, right, of course. Um, and, you know, as somebody who also has four children, you know, for example, I, I, I love, I always find it amusing and I'm never, I never sugarcoat this with people, but when people talk about like, the first couple of years and how fun it was and how they missed that. And I always say like, no, it actually, the first three yeah. years were really, really hard and not that fun. We had three yeah. kids under the age of, you know, 14 months and right. no, it wasn't fun. I it was like,
1: want, it would be more fun. <laughs>
0: like, yeah.
1: I think that's what yeah. messed it up is throwing a whole bunch of them in there at once.
0: <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it's, it's, uh, but it's okay. Right. Like that's, you, 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 do your job, you get through it, you do the best you can. Right. And, and then you, you hopefully learn and grow from it. But that's, you know, I, I, and I, I get that. I mean, in some ways when I was working in construction, it, it was a very, very, very different feeling. Certainly not as fulfilling as the work I do now, but it was really exciting and it was fun and it was interesting, you know, and I was a big boss and big project and in the news and all this stuff. And it, it but that was a different, very, very different time in my life, and you know yep. we have different needs, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, let let's shift gears for a second here, and let's let's talk about something a little bit more nerdy. All right. Wish, yeah, Zapier and automations, and so
1: oh, so nerdy, I love it.
0: Yeah, and I know you do, and <clears throat> it's been so fun seeing here, you know, with with us boxing and hearing the excitement uh, that you have for these automation challenges. And, and what I want to, what I want to say for everybody listening is I I can confidently say that I, I believe that I'm, I'm probably one of the top Zapier people in the world. And Courtney didn't know anything about Zapier, I don't believe before we started working together. And I, I, I believe you have far exceeded my abilities at this point. And the things that you share with me, I'm just like, damn, that's awesome
1: right yeah well i've kept at it you know you outsourced it to me so your uh skills are
0: (laughs) yeah but i mean did you ever think i mean because and and obviously i mean i think people who are listening are pretty familiar with zapier but it's not hardcore programming that's an important one and it's an interesting mix because there is a very technical aspect to a lot of it but you also really need to be able to see that forest and not get stuck on the trees you need to understand what you know the overall picture sort of looks like and so, I mean, in your wildest dreams, could you ever imagine that, like, this is what you'd be doing? You have a company where you get to build these things that you get, like, giddy with excitement about?
1: <laughs> no, but, you know, it's interesting. So I am, uh, I'm in a wonderful coaching program with Rachel Rogers, and one of the things that um, they often talk about is, you know, finding the work that doesn't feel like work. And when you're, you're going about your day, like what are those things, you know, you talk about like your peak time and your flow state, um, same kind of idea. And they are big proponents, Rachel and her team are big proponents of the Clifton Strengths test.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Okay, you and I never discussed it. So, um you know, taking the Clifton strengths, and and I really spent several months. Just I have like a little notebook by my desk, and every time I'm doing something that I really love or I get really excited about, you know, I would write it down, and then take a look at like, okay, what is that, right? What is that work that doesn't feel like work to me? Um, and it really is like it's building Zaps, right? But when I look at my strengths, you know, it's not building Zaps that I love it's this complex problem solving, that there is this end state you are trying to accomplish. And there are these parameters in which you would accomplish it. And there's this great balance of, you know, creativity, and this this blank canvas of the variety of options we could use to solve these problems. But also there's this technical right and wrong aspect. You know, we need this data, and this data needs to look this way, and it needs to get passed this way. And if Need this data in step ten. Oh, then we have to think about it. You know, where are we going to collect it over here in step one, and how are we going to pass it through? Um, so it's just—it is just this perfect storm of my strengths and things that I get excited by and things that I've enjoyed. Um, and it just—you know—this current iteration of the way that I'm expressing that in the world is building apps. Um, You know, I took a uh, a couple law classes at West Point and in my master's degree, and they were absolutely my favorite for the same reasons, where you would have this argument you were trying to present, and you'd have to look at all the case history and, you know, pull data from this one and pull the precedent from this one, and then craft this argument that had to be very logical, like using all of this data. Uh, And it's that kind of problem solving that I just get really excited about. So. Now that I can take a step back and see that, it's like, oh yeah, okay, it's not that unrealistic that I went from, you know, being an army officer to a stay-at-home mom to uh, building automated processes for business owners.
0: I don't, I don't see the connection to the dots there, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> works for you. That's fine. No, no, I'm kidding. I mean, no. It, it, no it's- you
1: know, I've really been doing some uh, some self-reflection there. Like, okay. <laughs>
0: I mean, like it's you, you, yeah, you, yeah. You're a so so. This is actually something I've been referring to lately as a fixer, right? And so I don't actually know if I shared this concept with you. I may have. Um, so there is a Yiddish word which I know you love, which is macher, nice a macher, right? So that's a, a, a which basically a macher is somebody who gets things done. That is the definition of a macher, and uh, you are like the. Poster child in my mind for that kind of thing, which is like you're you're gonna and the, and again this is not I'm not trying to go back to all the military conversation as well, but it, it ties that in, is that you're gonna figure out a way if you and, and I think what you like and in my experience what one of the things that you really like is there's a finite there's like a package on it there's a boundary there's a there's an end state that you know what it is yeah yeah uh, and so you're you're uniquely suited to do that in many ways. And, and I can see why that works for you. And, and the thing that I think is so cool about what you're doing now is that, so for example, right, so there's a, a very famous furniture maker whose studio is around the corner from me. And as with many famous furniture makers, the guy has a name and a brand and he charged a lot of money for tables and stuff like that. And he'll design something And then basically hand that design over to a sort of lower level, but still skilled woodworker who then, you know, goes and builds it. Mm -hmm. You get to do everything. You get to design it and build it, which is really cool. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's special.
1: Yeah. You know, it is for now. I I will grow into outsourcing some of that design. I I really enjoy coming up with a solution the first time, um, but I get bored, you know, building the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Um, but I, you know, that initial problem solving of yeah, how do we build it?
0: I do, I do really enjoy that. Well, and it's it's kind of the situation where it's like you're skilled enough. Well, I to say you're skilled enough to be dangerous, but you are you're far more skilled than that in the actual technology aspect of it. But it it is important, and and I've talked I've talked about this before, and you've heard me talk about this before, how. Like a CEO of a company, I think, I really do think needs to have some understanding of how the janitor mops the floor in their office. Like you you need to know how these things work in your business, whether you do them or not. Yeah. Uh, and it's really important to be able to jump in there and actually, you know, roll your sleeves up and, and do it.
1: Yes. You know, that's so, it's such a good point. Um, I'm dealing with one client now where that is not the case that the people higher up have little interest in the details of how the job is done down below. Uh, and that's causing a lot of problems at the lower levels. Um, like a lot of lack of attention to detail in upstream steps are making things very, very difficult downstream. And, you know, so, but I think it's a balance there because as you know, um, you know, many CEOs and upper level people in a company just don't, they don't want to deal with those details. Um, But there is a certain level, you know, that matters that needs to be built in. And even just some guardrails of, hey, you know, when you do these three things, you have to do them step one, step two, step three. You can't do three, two, one. You can't do two, three, one. It's gonna mess something up. Don't worry about it. Listen, just do one, two, three. Like, oh, okay. Hey, that's great. Um, But yeah, I think that's an important step worth noting. yeah,
0: no, Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it, it's something for everybody to sort of learn from, not only as a, as a leader, I think, but also in terms of the people that you end up working with. When I, when I worked in construction, and I, I really did work in construction, like hands-on learning trades every day for years, which a lot of real estate developers, especially young real estate developers who come out of an Ivy League school, as I did, they, they don't you don't learn that kind of stuff. So when it came to a conversation with a really experienced tradesman, Where I was like, "This, I think this can be done, and I think it could be done in this amount of time." I knew what I was talking about, you know, and that's 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 important. It makes a difference.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, And so the the work that you're doing now, and I know that you know you you. i don't I don't mean this in a bad way, but you, you sort of jumped around a little bit in terms of what you really want to do. And I don't know that you've completely honed in on what exactly it is you want to do, but how would you describe the kind of work that you really like doing at this point and who you like doing it with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I did. I started off kind of doing generic operation stuff and I'm doing some project management work and you know mm-hmm. um, part time c o o work. um, but it's the the process work that I really love the best. And so helping people. You know really define refine and automate what their processes are um and that is it's so much more than just build this automation right like where a lot of the problems i'm finding with clients where a lot of the problems start is really even defining what it what it is what are you actually trying to do what are you trying to accomplish here with this like there's so much questioning and going around and people think they have an idea um, but they don't have an idea that's fleshed out enough to actually build the process. Um, so you know, helping people work through just that strategic level of what they're trying to accomplish, all the way down to how do we actually do it, and how do we, you know, what kind of tools do we need? How do we automate? How do we make it easy? Um, and I've I've yet to really settle on an industry which I know we talked about that a lot with less doing of like, is that a necessity or not? You know, do you need to be industry specific? Um, so I can't say I've nailed it down. Alert,
0: alert. I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Right. right. Um, Cause just every industry has such unique challenges uh, that, that are fun. that are really exciting. Like actually I was talking to the um, working with a law firm and one of the unique challenges that someone in their office has is that actually depending on the document, depending on the type of document it has to be printed on a different type of paper. And so it was like just this small quirk of like, Oh, in what order do we package these so that it can go <laughs> out on the right kind of paper? Right. Like what? Who even thought of that? You know? And I just, I just love details like that. And there's a billion of them in every industry. So I feel like, you know, being industry specific would, would get kind of boring after a while. Um, but I think that you know the ideal person that I like to work with does have to have a little bit of an interest in the details and an understanding of why they're important. Um, but you know, isn't necessarily like a super micromanager. Okay, I have to know exactly how all of this works. Um, you know, one of the things that's tough about doing this kind of work and especially remotely is that the details really matter. And what I find is a lot of the times, you know, someone will come to me and they'll be like, yeah, here's the process. I fleshed it out. It's great. Build it. And as we get into building it, you know, they, they didn't nearly flesh it out in as much detail as is required. And so there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of back and forth. And, you know, if you're the kind of person where it's like, Ugh, I don't want to talk about it. I handed it to you, you know, come back when it's done. um, You know, that that's not going to work. And then, you know, you're the one that has to run the process. So you do have to, you do have to have a little bit of understanding of the steps and what your involvement in them is.
0: Yeah. well and so there's there's actually a funny that it made me think of an example that uh i think it was called relay rides but there was a company that was like an uber competitor at some point they may not be around anymore yeah. but it it was very peer-to-peer ish like you basically were like i've got a you know honda civic and like i'll drive people around for a couple hours and apparently the uh the etiquette was that if your passenger got in the back seat that meant they did not want to have a, a conversation they just want to get to their destination and if they got in the front seat they felt like chatting. So to me, it feels like you want the people that are going to get the phone.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's
0: interesting. They're a passenger, but they're involved.
1: I always wondered the etiquette on that too. Like, uh, where do I say? Um, yeah, you know, you've you got to be a little bit involved um, for sure.
0: No, and I, and I, I don't I, I don't think we should gloss over that. Like, that's a really important thing for people to hear. Uh, and I'm sure that there are situations where you might feel, somebody, not you, people might feel like, Uh, I just want to pay somebody and get it done. And most of the time, it's just, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. I had this conversation with somebody the other day and I I, I thought of you, actually, and I think I actually did refer them to you. And I basically was like, oh, I'm just, I'm working eight hours a day and I really want to work one to two hours a day. So I just need that great person to help. And I I responded, I was like, yeah, that's, that's not going to work. I was like, if you want to, (laughs) if you want, if you want to reduce your workload by 90%, that's totally doable but it's not going to be by giving it to someone else.
1: Yeah, right, right. Then you just pass the problem on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then and then, as I always say, like when when, man, when many people do that, they are at the same time expecting the result they get back to be better than the result that they could have achieved themselves. So you're just setting everybody up for failure.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that I've noticed um, in branching out and working with lots of businesses, and I, I think I've boxed you about this the other day, is there's... So many things that I took for granted that, you know, I learned from you and that we did with less doing that I'm surprised that other businesses don't do them. And so many businesses that I'm working with just don't, they don't even set themselves up for success to outsource things. Like in my mind, it's just, it's second nature. You know, my, my business right now is just me. um, But I have a Trello board and I put things on Vimeo and I put things in Google drive. Like if I was to bring somebody in, every single thing that that person would need is already publicly accessible somewhere in the cloud. Um, This is a funny one. I took for granted how, you know, we had our our OAO at less doing account. And every time we set up a tool, we would set it up with the OAO at less doing account. Um, And so I'm working with a client now that, you know, they have half a dozen email addresses and some of the tools they use are under this one and some are under that one and some are over here. And so a simple thing, like I'm just looking at streamlining the process that we use to schedule regular coaching calls. Um, You know, I sat down to start on that process and I immediately encountered a problem of, okay, we, we log in and we schedule the Zoom meeting. Like what account do we use? And in the off chance that, you know, let's say we use Ari's account. Well, in the off chance that Ari can't host, Nobody else can access ARI's account, so that's not going to work, right? Right. And, you know, where do these calls go? Well, they go on everyone's individual calendar? Well, why don't we have a team calendar? And then we can just invite everyone, and then that can go on their individual calendar. Now we're not looking at time zones. Um, you know, So, so just a simple thing like, okay – Let's come up with a process to schedule these calls turned into, actually, we need to really streamline all these email addresses, which actually there's a different domain we want to use because we rebranded a while back. So the first step was actually fixing all of that before we can get to the point of like, okay, how do we schedule the calls? Um, So when you just hand something off to somebody, be like, here, do this, you know, now they're just taking all your manual work and, uh, you know, they're doing all the manual work. And now you've just taken your stress and you've put it on them and you've taken your inefficiency and you've handed it to somebody else. And yeah, you know, it's not gonna result in good work, right?
0: Yeah, that rare, that rarely is gonna work out for anybody.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and, and also, you know, the point that you made about documenting the stuff and making Vimeos and putting a Trello board and all that stuff, and you said like, if somebody else comes in, it'll already be there. The other point though, is that if nobody ever comes in all that stuff is not in your head right right you know getting in the way of all the other stuff so how do you find now that this work that you're doing in terms of the planning of the apps and figuring that out that sort of higher cerebral stuff and then the the more nitty-gritty and tinkering aspect of building the apps and things like that how does that sort of fit in with your your lifestyle being you know a, a mom of four and involved in all sorts of other things too
1: yeah, it is super challenging. And that's actually something that I've, um, I've been thinking through in the last, you know, last month or so really trying to organize my time better. Um, because it is so detailed, that I really need to not be interrupted, I really need to have focused blocks of time. Um, and I you know, it's not something that I can just work on something, then get up, go do something else, come back and pick right back up. I've got to take some time to remember what I was doing and where's the details and what step did I leave off on? So, um, you know, as always, I do a lot of work early in the morning. Um, I did send my little ones back to public school from our, our homeschooling adventure. So that's been a big help. Um, and then, you know, this is a a, a broader issue, obviously, but setting better boundaries with the family to not be interrupted or to, you know, pass off more responsibilities um, to the kids or to my husband and, you know, let them know not to interrupt me. Um, And some of that's them, but some of that goes back to, you know, we were talking about, about clients being responsive and needing to be involved. Like I sat down to work on something the other day and I'd blocked out a couple hours and, you know, I went to log into the client's accounts with the passwords that they gave me and the passwords didn't work. Yeah. Well, Junk. Okay, so now you know I've got to go to you and be like, "Hey, your, your password is not correct," and then I go on to doing something else, and then you respond to me 28 minutes later. The passwords like I can't. It just doesn't work well to have that back and forth. So, um, yeah, some of that's other people, and some of that's better time management, better productivity skills, as you well know and teach. So.
0: Yeah, but you know, no one's perfect, including yeah. me. Believe me. <laughs> uh, I mean, we we had we had two unexpected snow days this week, so yeah, that was, I
1: heard that.
0: Yeah, it's not.
1: It's crazy there.
0: Not not cool, snow people. Yeah. Um. Well, so with the zaps and things that you're building, the automations that you've been working on, and the challenges, I think, uh, in terms of you've seen, what are some automations that you think you know one or two or three that every business can and should have
1: hmm, that's a good question um, you know actually probably with the people that I've been working with the thing that amazes me the most that that people are lacking is you know an onboarding process for clients and yes. that does not have to be complicated but just a simple sketch of when a client signs up oh, they need, you know, this tag in my email system and they need this access to this content and they need this, you know, I need I want to have a running list of who my members are. So I need to add that here. Um, just thinking through that, like I've been amazed at the number of people where that's super duper manual um, or, you know, one person on the team just knows, oh, well, these are all the people that are in the program. Um, so, you know, that one for sure. Um, you know, any kind of data entry thing is obvious low hanging fruit. Anytime where something happens and you take information and you put it somewhere else, like that can almost always be automated. Um, one of the simple things I created the other day was like, you know, when I do a call with a client and I have a zoom recording, I always have to upload it. I upload it to Vimeo, so I don't keep it in Zoom's cloud recording. And then I send it to the client in an email. Hey, here's the recording of our call. This is what we talked about. Here's what's next. And so, you know, it's a process I do every single time. Okay, I can automate that, where the new recording automatically goes to Vimeo, creates me a draft email with the Vimeo link on it. Um, You know, everybody does a thousand things like that every day, for sure
0: that that's a really good one that to, to talk about for a second because what because actually to me that example that you just gave is in falls under the bucket in some ways of customer onboarding customer journey in that yeah so it's i'm sure it's a really nice thing that as a one person operation and whatever expectation may or may not come along with that from your clients that you know within it sounds like minutes, right, of the Zoom recording being done, they've got an email with the recording. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's a big deal, right? And I think that you have two issues that a lot of companies face in that realm. One is you have companies that legitimately have just a huge volume of incoming requests or communications or customer service, whatever it might be, and they try to handle it manually, and it they, they their slow response time, is a problem in of itself, and then you have the other side of things where the companies, I think, actively choose, like, oh no, we want to give them the more personal touch and the human response. But the truth is, is that most people just want the thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think there's ways to balance that. Um, you know, I don't have it send the recording right away. I create a draft, and so that way, you know, the bulk of the data that I need is in there, but I can still personalize it a little bit. Um,
0: but you can also do that while you're, you know, at a kid's soccer game for 10 seconds and you can jump in your phone and do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's such an interesting – I think that's one of the things that kind of makes people make people shy away from automation is that they worry that it, it's going to take away the personality of their company or it's going to take away some of that personal touch. And, you know, just because you can automate things doesn't mean you have to automate everything, right? So actually I was talking with a client about um, – you know, she she does regular text check-ins with people and that personal touch is really important, but also there's like 400 people and, you know, that gets really, really time-consuming. So we were talking about ways that, okay, well, maybe there's 10 different messages to choose from and we can just kind of automate which one they get, right? Like we can automate the sending of it, but there's 10 different ones. And so it's still like, you're not getting the same automated message every single time, but she's not spending years of her life, you know, personally typing in text messages. Um, or, you know, you can have you've got 10 client touch points. OK, we can automate five and then five you can still do personally like that's fine. We can, You can find a balance that works with you know, your company's values and the experience that you want to get across. But it, it does it's not an all or nothing. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing.
0: Well, and and I agree with you, but I, I would say more often than not, it becomes a nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of they just don't do it. They're like, oh, we'll get, that's one of those things. It's like, we'll get to that, you know?
1: Well, right. That's so why you need people like me that enjoy getting to that. Uh, so.
0: Right, absolutely. It's a good point. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I had a, a really awful interaction with uh, Twilio last week. I don't know if you saw oh, my I video. About
1: yeah, I saw your video because actually I was just signing up with them uh, on a client's behalf. and I was like, wait, what? What did I already hate about Twilio?
0: Well, I so the, the thing is, is that I get an email and, you know, we, we use Twilio briefly, I think, at the company. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, I never got into it.
0: Yeah. Right, so... But it's been, like, a year at least. And so I get an email basically saying, like, your account's been suspended for, like, an expired credit card, but you will continue to be billed for the number that you have uh, unless you click the button below to release these numbers and give them up. I was like, okay, great. What? Okay. Awesome. Yeah, click the button. I don't want the numbers. You know, I clicked the button, and then I couldn't log in because it required the two-step authentication to a number that I didn't even recognize. Oh, gosh. And it, it, it took... Eighteen emails over the course of six days to finally get it to have to be released.
1: Oh, that's terrible.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's terrible. It's unacceptable for a company that's that established. And so, one of the my latest sort of idea concept that I've been mulling around, and I, I shared this with you briefly the other day. But it's the idea of what I'm calling the inflatable business, right? Which is basically a series of zaps and you know, potentially Airtable bases or Trello board uh, templates or whatever, that you can kind of like click a few buttons, connect your accounts, and on day one, you've essentially got scalable operations. And it sounds like I'm oversimplifying. I don't believe I am. But what you're talking about about customer onboarding is such a key one. It's such a crucial one that I think many companies miss out on.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That one, and, you know, it's funny – I know this is a huge thing for you is um, CRMs, why people need a CRM. Um, I can't tell you how many kind of early stage or, you know, even just small uh, business owners I've talked to are like, I need a CRM. I need a CRM. What CRM should I choose? And I pointed them in the direction of like, you just need a Trello board and a zap that takes your Calendly appointments and puts them on the Trello board and you need to carve out a little bit of time every morning and walk through that. And, you know, the automated pipeline that, that we had set up at Less Doing, how many people that applies to. Like, you're not, you know, you, you're not Microsoft. You're not dealing with 7 million leads every day. Like, you can manage the dozen people on a Trello board.
0: You're cool. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So, yeah. Is you don't need a yeah, I was working with a friend the other I know, I know. Uh, so, uh, yeah. But it's one of those, you know, I was having the same argument with somebody about QuickBooks where I was in a group and they are like, oh, no, real businesses all have QuickBooks. They all have QuickBooks. Uh-huh. I was like, is that like one of those things where it's like, oh, real businesses have Infusionsoft and, you know, real businesses need a CRM? I'm like, is this true? You're just suckering me in. Um
0: but again, that's what happens, though. These businesses do get suckered in by Inf- It's like, well, the big boys use Infusionsoft and Salesforce, so that's the $5,000 a month combo I need.
1: Right, and then you need to hire the uh, the consultant to set it up for you because you can't do it yeah. on your own because it's too complicated. Um, right. but yeah, how And I then nobody
0: like- wants to use it.
1: Right, right. That's how I feel about QuickBooks. Like I'm not paying a hundred bucks for a QuickBooks subscription just to pay, you know, 200 bucks for a bookkeeper to manage the QuickBooks subscription. Like, no, not getting in that roller coaster. Um, but yeah. Well, I, well,
0: one, you know, we, we never want technology to solve the problem that technology creates.
1: Right, right. And I, I think it comes back to like, what are you actually trying to accomplish? Okay, you think you need a CRM. What, what are you actually trying to do? well, I need somewhere to record the people that I have upcoming calls with and I need somewhere to make sure that I remember to follow up with them after the call and, you know, I need somewhere to store leads that weren't the right fit now, but I need to reach out to later. Like define what it is you actually want and then, you know, hey, what's what's a cheap and easy way we can create that or what's a basic tool that's going to solve those problems and then use that tool until that tool doesn't work anymore. Um, I was just talking to somebody about email marketing tools, and she's been going back and forth for a month on what the best one to use is. And it was reminding me of our, like our switch from um, ConvertKit up to ActiveCampaign, where, you know, I wouldn't have known that the features of ActiveCampaign, I wouldn't have known what I needed there had we not started with ConvertKit and had we not used it and tried things. And then kind of eventually outgrew it. Like, got to a point where it's like, man, I really wish I had an email marketing tool that could X, Y, and Z. Okay, you know, let's find something else. Had we started with ActiveCampaign, we probably wouldn't even have used half of its features because I, you know, wouldn't have known that we needed them.
0: That, and that's an excellent point, by the way, On I'll, very specifically on that. Like, I was thinking today, because uh, I'm using SendFox right now, and I just, it's very simple. It suits my needs perfectly. It integrates with yeah, Zapier. Yeah. It's great. Uh, but I was thinking, like, I would like to be able to, if somebody signs up for my newsletter, because I'm only sending, like, one a month now. So I was like, I'd like to be able to send them the most recent newsletter. They okay. can't do that. Right. They can't do that. Um, not a big deal. And I might figure out a way to do that. But that's ex- exactly what you're saying. Like, you have, to, you have to use some of these things to know the features that you want and don't need.
1: Right, right. Well, absolutely. It's what we were talking about earlier today about job form versus TypeForm, and where I encountered a problem that TypeForm doesn't let you change a certain permission that I need to change. And I mm-hmm. never would have known that uh, had I not, you know, done something previously where I encountered a problem. So now it's like, oh, all of the form submission tools I ever try again, I need to make sure that, you know, this setting can be changed.
0: Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been really wonderful and I really appreciate your time to to talk to this with me. It it has been one of the greatest privileges for me to be able to work with you and see you uh, transform into the expert in automation that you are. And uh, thank you. So uh, where can people find out more about you and potentially be lucky enough to hire you?
1: Yeah, well no website yet because the perfectionist in me is going back and forth with a logo designer. Um, so, you know, for now you'll have to just email me and it's Courtney C O U R T N E Y at firstturnops.com. OPS. Uh, and I'm sure you'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then maybe at some point I'll have a great website and I'll come back and update the show notes and then people will be able to find my amazing website.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Courtney.
1: Thank you.